Hi, Pathway family, and welcome to church. We're so happy to be here, and this week we're, I'm personally very excited because I get to talk to you about Christmas. Uh, we're starting our Advent series, and that is always an exciting time of the year for me because I enjoy Christmas a ton. And so we're going to be starting our Advent series with the topic of hope. And I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys are really excited about it. If you're not, tough because Christmas is coming whether you like it or not and it's on top of us already. So um, we're going to start today talking about hope in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you if you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9 uh, and we're going to be reading in verses 6 and 7 and if you don't know where the book of Isaiah is look in the front of your Bible there's a table of contents. Don't be afraid to use it especially at home. There's nobody looking anyway. So uh, once you find the book of Isaiah, we're going to start in chapter 9, verse 6. So read with me here. And many of these verses, you guys will be familiar with the, these verses a lot. So it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's go ahead and pray to get things started off this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, that you, you sent your son, uh, not just to... Uh, live on on this earth a perfect life, but also to die on the cross uh, for our salvation, to forgive us of our sins. And Lord, as we talk about hope, as we talk about finding hope in you, I pray that your presence would just be here with us, that you would you would touch our hearts, and Lord, that we would not um, end this day, this message, without being uh, fundamentally changed by who you are and what you've done for us. We love you so much, and we thank you in your name. Amen. So hope is, a, is an interesting word because hope is something that's so rare to find these days. And when you do find it, sometimes people have hope in the weirdest things. And whether or not it's a good thing or not is up for debate a lot of times. People, people strive to find hope. They strive to find it in uh, peace. They strive to find it in rest. Uh, fulfillment and pleasure. Uh, they even try to find it in identity and their worth. Uh, all of these things can be found in only one place though, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the only hope we have to find hope. And so today we're going to be talking about what that hope looks like and how it kind of functions in our lives. But first we want to talk about defining what hope is. So in defining hope, hope is the desire for something to happen. Normally in our lives, we desire for good things to happen, specifically to our own selves. Um, but even those around us, we hope for good things to happen. And, and so whether we like it or not, we all give our hope or we all hope in something or someone. And so what you place your hope in becomes very important because it's part of who we are. Uh, we may hope for world peace uh, if you're a beauty pageant contestant, uh, we may hope to win the lottery. Uh, you got to be in it to win it, just so you know. Uh, for our enemies to be smitten. If you read some of the Psalms, David hoped for his enemies to be wiped out a lot of times. Um, sometimes we hope for healthy, happy lives or, or just to hit all the green lights on our way to work. 
Sometimes it's as simple as just wanting to find two socks that match. And we just hope in that good moment of the day that starts our day off right. And so what we find hope in is obviously all around us. But the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is the, is the one who brings hope for more than just earthly desires. So these things, not that it's a bad thing to hope for green lights on the way to go to work, um, but these things aren't necessarily eternal. They're not, they're definitely not salvific, meaning that they have no, like finding a pair of socks won't uh, determine your eternity in heaven or hell. Uh, but Jesus is the one that does determine those things. And so we want to be placing our hope in him. And when we do place our hope in Jesus Christ, as the scriptures tell us to do, um, all of our tunnels, and, and I say tunnels, meaning all of our problems, all of our issues, all of our, our frustrations in life, all of our worries in life, all of our tunnels in life have a light at the end of them when we put our hope in Jesus Christ. Listen to this, Luke 4, uh, verses 18 and 19. This is Jesus, and he's, he's actually quoting Isaiah 61 uh, when he's talking to uh, the people at the temple. Uh, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is such an important passage for a couple of different reasons, but one, one of the main reasons is because this is a, a prophetic text about Jesus himself, and it shows us all of the things that Jesus does and all of the reasons why we can put our hope in him. He is here to proclaim victory to the captives. He is here to give sight to the blind and also to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And guys, it's so important that we understand that only Christ can fulfill all of these things in, in this in this passage. He is the only one that can fulfill all of the promises that we find in the Bible about who we are in God and who we have in our maker as far as uh, following him. He is the only one that can do that. The emptiness of this world and its desires can cloud our vision to what it means to have true hope. And what I mean by that is this. There are plenty of topics and issues and, and causes in this world that we want to see fulfilled, whether it's ending sex trafficking or, or racism being dealt with or, or political parties being dealt with or whatever it may be. We desire to see those things uh, perfected, better. We desire to see people better off than, than before. And, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with those things, but we must be putting our hope in Christ and we can see who he is and how he has this plan. Guys, we have this book right here, uh, this book that gives us the ending of this story so we can follow him and see what he's doing. The, the truth is, is all of those social issues that we deal with and you hear them, just turn on the news for five minutes and you'll hear 10 different social issues that are in this world. All of those is great, but finding hope in Jesus causes us to desire hope for others. So we want to see others come alongside and, and live better lives or live towards him, all of those kinds of things. And, and the idea of 
of uh, clothing the, the naked or, or uh, feeding the hungry uh, becomes extremely important when we talk about those things and, and becomes very plausible when we give them Jesus Christ as their hope in life because he, while he doesn't, I mean, while it's not, he's not a genie in the bottle waiting to make our lives perfect, he does desire and give us that hope that we have for a better life. And maybe it's not a better life here on earth, but a better life in eternity. So uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read just a quick passage that, that I believe encapsulates this idea of desiring hope for others. And it's Jesus again, and he's talking about uh, at the end of the time when he separates the sheep and the goats. There's a great Keith Green song about that if you want to look that up. And he says in verse 37 of, of Matthew chapter 25, he says, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to, to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And there's this idea of us wanting to, we want to serve the widows and the orphans. We want to come alongside the needy and the brokenhearted. But if we come alongside of a hungry person and give them a sandwich and say goodbye, we haven't, we've, we've fulfilled that earthly, fleshly need, but we haven't fulfilled the spiritual need. And when you look at Jesus Christ and his ministry here on earth, he came to this earth to give more than just a temporary hope. He came to give more than just a temporary full belly to people. He said to the woman at the well, drink from the water that I will give you and you'll never thirst again. And so there's that idea of he has a hope for a, a, an eternal hope that we can take from him. And so when our hope is found in Christ, we start to share that hope with those around us. When we share that hope with those around us, we please the Father. That's, that is why we are here is to share the hope of Jesus Christ that, that, that we aren't, we don't have to be chained to this world. We have been freed from sin through Jesus Christ. And so many people respond with that idea. And guys, I had a, a grandfather that said things like this that, well, I'm too far gone. Uh, like, it, Jesus can't save a guy like me. Or, or, well, Jesus doesn't know what I've done in my life, and there's just no hope for me. And, and Jesus Christ is the only one that can give hope. He gives hope to the hopeless, and he gives strength to the weak. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, listen to this. He says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's hard enough. Uh, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He desires you, guys. There is no one out there. And if you're listening to this and you're starting to say to yourself, yeah, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You're right. I, I don't know because I don't know who's thinking that right now. But guys, I promise you that Jesus does know what you're going through and he does see what you're going through and you're not too far gone. No one is ever too far gone. I want to tell you a story um, of, of a hopeless man. So uh, it's a man named Raul, uh, probably Raul if I was a little more exotic. Um, but Raul grew up in Mexico City uh, with 
and he he grew up in an abusive home. His father uh, was a drunk who would actually take him to the nightclubs in Mexico City when he was a kid, um, just so that he could um, drink with his son around him. And then he would get him on the back of his moped on the way home. And, and I mean, he'd be drunk driving his kid through Mexico City. And I've never been to Mexico City itself, but I can imagine that traffic uh, back in the 60s was not always a party. And so uh, his father was a drunk. He beat him up and he beat his brothers and sisters up. He beat his mother up. Um, and and it, it was just a bad environment. Um, so eventually his mother, Rawls' mother, uh, took him and her kids to uh, LA. She moved to LA uh, to try and get away from, they had some family, they tried to get away from their dad. Um, and dad contacted them eventually after a few years and said that he had changed and wanted to be back a part of their lives. And he didn't, he hadn't changed. They did let him back into their lives, but he hadn't changed at all. He continued to beat them. He continued to be drunk. And so Rawl was angry. Rightfully so. He was angry at his father. He was angry at the situation. He just had anger that he didn't know what to do with. And so he, he con consistently was getting into trouble. Um, he, he was in and out of jail all of his teenage life. And, and it, it culminated in one night. He, he saw a guy that was uh, hitting on his girlfriend at the time. And he decided to uh, deal with that guy in, in, in a way that was physical. And so he, he uh, really beat this guy up quite a bit uh, to the point where the guy was in the hospital. And, and so he went before a judge after he had been, you know, after the charges had been pressed, he went before a judge and the judge gave him two options. The first option was go to jail. Uh, like real jail, <laughs> big boy jail, prison, not just like a, not just a foster home type thing. No, this was, this was going to prison. The, the second option, you can go into the military. Now understand this was right at the height of Vietnam. The Vietnam war was raging at this point. And so Rawl chose the military. I mean, it was a pretty easy choice when you think about it because you either stay and rot in jail or you can at least have, um, a life outside and, and be in the military. So he chose the military because he could do what he wanted. And not only that, guys, he chose the military because he knew he would get to kill people. He knew that he would get to deal with some of the anger that was in his heart. At least that's what he thought. And so there was a hope that he got to, again, there's that word hope. There was, there was a hope that he would get to satisfy some of those uh, bloodlusts that he had um, and so he could kill with no consequence and he could do what he wanted. So he joined the military. He was so angry and, and he was at the end of his two years, he had a successful or semi-successful military career. At the end of his, his tour of duty, he started talking about going back to civilian life and his, his platoon mates were actually scared of what he was saying he was going to do when he got back to the States. So much so that they actually turned him into the, the military police. And they sent him, instead of sending him home right away, they sent him to a psychiatric ward, uh, a hospital in uh, Northern California, to try and deal with some of these, these anger issues that he had. I mean, he had, he had essentially been a murderer. He was angry. He was violent, um, physically. Um, and so he was so angry and he, he was scaring people. I don't know if you guys understand how bad that is to be angry and scaring others around you. Um, it's not a good place to be. 
So eventually he gets out of the psychiatric ward and he gets out of the military and he feels like his life is kind of starting up and, and he, he decides, or he gets into a relationship, gets married, um, and starts a family thinking that, you know what, I'm not going to be my dad. I'm not going to, I'm going to change that family tree. Um, and we're going to be okay. Um, just under his own power. Uh, slowly though, he turned into his dad. Um, he started to uh, shove his wife and beat his kids and drink. Um, and it escalated and escalated until finally he started choking his wife on a regular basis. And, and she was scared for her life. She was what we would call a person of quiet faith, meaning that she, she did go to church and she did believe in Jesus, but she, she showed her faith through her love for her husband, coming back to him, trying to change him through her love. And um, it, it wasn't working. And so finally she decided that she was going to leave him. And she told Raul that, that he needed to be out of the house. So uh, she went to church on Easter Sunday with the kids and wanted him gone by the time she got back. And while she was gone, he decided that if he couldn't have her, um, then no one could have her and her kids or his kids. And so what he did is he went into his closet and he grabbed his rifle and he loaded his rifle um, and started pacing around the house waiting for his family to get home. Uh, what he decided to do was he was going to shoot them and kill them, uh, his wife and kids. And then when the police showed up, he was going to uh, go down guns blazing and, and they would kill him and it would be the end of his miserable life. And and he would be done. And so he was walking through his house and he was knocking over bookshelves and breaking things, just trying to get rid of this anger that was so built inside of him and, and so part of his DNA. And he took his rifle butt and he actually um, smashed it up against the TV that they had. And ironically, or not really ironically, uh, the TV turned on, and what it turned on to was a, a preacher. Uh, his name is Chuck Smith. He's the guy who started the, the Bible college that I went to. He's head of the Jesus movement. You guys can look up uh, a lot of those things. But, but Chuck Smith was on the TV, and he was talking about Jesus and how no one is beyond salvation, and that no one is beyond Jesus' love and forgiveness. And so Raul decided in that moment to cry out to God. And he said, God, if you're real, I need you to show up right now. I need you to be in my life right now. And immediately he felt the forgiveness of the Lord. Immediately he felt the release of all of the anger that he had. So he put his rifle away and waited for his wife to get home and told her about it. She was hesitant, obviously, and, and through years of marital counseling and working with his uh, family and doctors and things like that, their marriage was saved. It was healed completely. And guys, he, he went to a high school and decided to start giving the gospel at, at, a high, at a local high school. And he looked up from his Bible after he was giving the gospel and 1,800 kids were sitting there listening to him. And he asked if anybody wanted to come to Jesus and 500 kids in that moment came to the Lord right then and there. And, and so that and now, guys, currently he is the pastor of one of the larger churches in Southern California, and he's an author, and he, he's an amazing dad. I believe he has grandkids. He might even have some great grandkids now. Uh, his name is Raul Reese, and you can look him up. Um, he's a, a guy that I like to look at as far as a, a model. But 
guys, he was, I mean, if there was a definition of a person that had no hope left, I would say that's it. A person that is willing to not just take his own life, but to take the lives of others around him, people that he says he loves, um, that would be a hopeless situation. And to, to feel like that was your only answer has got to feel just completely lonely. And so why do I tell you this story? It's because Jesus provides hope to anyone and everyone, not just the elite. Guys, don't sit on your couch or in your car or anywhere you're listening to this message and think to yourself that you are not worthy of Jesus' sacrifice. He decided that you are worthy of it. He decided that he was going to die for you. He, was, he decided that he was going to give his life for you. And if there was any other way, he would have done it. But that was the way that it was going to happen where your sins would not just be forgiven and forgotten, but that they would be completely washed away. They don't even exist anymore. You're not too far gone for the hope of Christ to light up your life. It's just not possible, guys. And I, I understand, I don't know your situation right now, but I can speak to the fact that you are not hopeless. God found value in you. He sees value in you. And so he sent his son to save you. Look, this doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything will come up roses for you and you'll win the lottery and you'll hit all the green lights and you'll find both of your socks easily. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean, though, is that your tunnels will all have a light at the end of them because nothing will ever get so bad that you can't see the love of Christ on the other end of it. Look, guys, I struggle with depression. Um, not regularly, it's not as often as I used to, but I, I still struggle with it. And, and sometimes it's hard to see that light at the end of the tunnel, but when I start to remind myself, when I start to go to the Word of God and to see the encouragement that He gives me here to find hope in Him, that's when I, I can start to f come out of those funks. That's when I can start to remind myself that, you know what, God is still here with me. He's still holding on to me. We all place our hope in something or someone. Again, it may be political leaders. We're in a very politically charged time right now. You may be putting your hope in, in your party winning or your party or the other guy's party losing at least. Um, political leaders will fail you. You might be putting your faith in 2021 because <laughs> we're sitting in 2020 thinking uh, this was not the greatest year. Uh, maybe you're hoping for January 1st, 2021 to think that that will make things better. Guys, next year will have its own problems. You might be hoping for the paycheck to come in next week. If you can just get that paycheck, if you can just get one more week under your belt, then things will be okay and you can make rent. But guys, money is so fleeting and it comes and it goes and what do we have to show for it? And so don't put your hope in money. You might be putting your hope in your spouse. I know people that not only hope that their spouse will continue to love them and are desperate for that love from them and they'll do anything such as put up with abuse from their spouse just because they want their spouse to love them. Look, that, that's a dangerous road to, to follow because they are human beings and human beings, guys, are sinners. All of us, every single one of us. I am too. I know that's a shock to all of you. I know that you all think I'm perfect. Um, so I don't want to ruin my image too much, but guys, your spouse will fail you. 
the list of what we put our hope in goes on and on. So let me challenge you with this. Try placing your hope in Jesus. He is for you, not against you. He desires you to overcome the trials and tribulations in this world. He will be the only one that you will find true hope in. Not only that, but it's an eternal hope. It will, it will go on forever, and you will find hope in Him and His forgiveness and His love. And there is no better place than that. Christ's birth was a momentous occasion. In an instant, this world went from dark to light, lost to found, and hopeless to full of hope. Trust in Him and look to Him to be the guiding light that leads to a life that has purpose, meaning, and above all, hope. I want to give you guys a benediction, and I know that we don't really do a lot of benedictions here at this church. It's just not something we do. But I, I read this verse, and I just couldn't go through the idea of hope without reading this verse to you guys. And we'll close with this. It says, it's Romans 15, verse 13. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may be, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you've given us hope, that you've shown us that we are not too far gone. And Lord, that you came to this earth as a baby to bring light to the darkness. Lord, to, to be the light at the end of every tunnel to be the hope that we hope in, the, the, the salvation that we hope for, Lord, the things that we can cling to that are actually solid, you give them. Lord, you are not changing, you are not fleeting, you don't decide to be a rock one day and a sand castle the next. Lord, you are our strong tower, you are our refuge, and you are our salvation. And we thank you so much. I pray for the people right now that are hearing this message that feel like there is no hope, whether it's because of our current situation that we're finding ourselves in here in 2020 or, or whether it's just all of the hospital visits that they're having to, to make, all of the, the, Lord, pain that they're experiencing right now. I pray that you would touch their hearts and give them hope, that they would find freedom in that hope and that they would, Lord, that the, that the load would be light and that you would carry them uh, to the next station, to the next point in their lives. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, and we pray that you would go before us this week and show us and shine your light down on us. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise your name. Amen.